It's 6 p.m. and you are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Friday, November 4th. I'm Kelly Reese and this is your KVMR Evening News. Unsatisfied with progress, Governor Gavin Newsom announced he's placing a pause on a billion dollars in state funding for housing. That's coming up on the California Report. You'll hear a new voice over the airwaves tonight. The KVMR News Desk welcomes intern news producer Julia Jem. In a special KVMR News segment, Julia hears from both sides of Local Ballot Measure W, also known as the Nevada City Historic Neighborhoods District Initiative. Then KVMR's Felton Pruitt speaks with acoustic quartet Boku Chapeau. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Frustrated by local government's response to housing, Governor Gavin Newsom has announced he's putting a pause on a billion dollars in state funding that's supposed to help cities and counties address homelessness. But local officials say they're befuddled by Newsom's actions. KQED's Aditi Bundlamudi reports. To get the state funding, cities and counties had to submit plans showing how they would use the money to address homelessness. But now Governor Newsom says those plans don't do enough to get people off the street fast enough. His office predicts they would reduce homelessness by just 2 percent over four years. City officials are confused by this move. Emily Cohen with San Francisco's Department of Homelessness and Supportive Housing said she hasn't heard anything from the state on how to make their plan stronger. I understand the desire for accountability and bold visions. These dollars have real-life implications for people's lives. I just encourage everyone to come to the table and get the dollars on the street as quickly as possible. Oakland Mayor Libby Schaff said she was perplexed how delaying the funds would advance the state and city's shared goals. And San Jose Mayor Sam Licardo pointed to a city's recent efforts to address the housing crisis. In San Jose, we've constructed prefabricated quick-build housing communities in a fraction of the time it takes to build traditional housing at a fraction of the cost. Newsom said he wants to meet with local leaders later this month to discuss how to address homelessness more effectively. And until then, the funding isn't going anywhere. For The California Report, I'm Aditi Bandlamudi in San Francisco. For the first time, the U.S. Justice Department has busted a nationwide catalytic converter theft ring. 21 defendants were charged in five states, including California. The ring made hundreds of millions of dollars on, quote, the backs of thousands of innocent car owners, says FBI Director Christopher Wray. The profit comes from the precious and valuable metals in the converter's cores. Now, catalytic converters are part of the vehicle's exhaust system and help to reduce the pollutants and toxic gases that cars emit. Their theft is especially rampant in California because of higher emission standards here. That, according to U.S. Attorney Philip Talbert of the Eastern District of California. Last year, 1,600 catalytic converters were reportedly stolen in the state each month. Let's turn now to the topic of money and the 2022 election in California. According to new numbers out from the election tracking site Ballotpedia, nationally, a little more than a billion dollars have been spent on state ballot measures this election cycle. But California alone accounts for about 70% of the cumulative spending. That's $713 million on just seven statewide measures. 
and the lion's share of that amount, $594 million, has been spent fighting over Propositions 26 and 27. Those are the two sports gambling initiatives backed by rival groups of online sports gambling companies like DraftKings and California tribes with casinos. You no doubt have seen and heard the commercials that have become part of the soundtrack of California life in recent months. The research is clear. Turning virtually every cell phone into a gambling device will drastically increase gambling addiction. Prop 27 generates hundreds of millions every year to permanently fund getting people off the streets and into housing. The difference between Prop 26 and Prop 27? 26 is a money grab that doesn't guarantee a cent for non-gaming tribes. All this ballot money has us asking these questions that we don't have the answers for. At what point does spending on ballot measures become grossly too much? And has California's initiative system, which was supposed to give ordinary voters a say in legislating and governance, become just another battleground for corporate and special interests, with California voters used as unwitting conscripts in their fights? Support for the California Report comes from Stanford Healthcare, where their greatest reward is a healthy patient. Guideline. Their automated 401k plans can be set up in 20 minutes. More at Guideline.com slash CA. Guideline, the California way to 401k. And that is the California Report for Friday, November 4th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. Our engineers are Danny Bringer, Chris Beal, and Brendan Willard, with assistance from Seal Muller. Our producers are Amanda Stupai, Izzy Bloom, and Daphne Young. Our editor is Angela Corral. Our interim director of news is Key Sung. Our executive editor is Ethan Tobin Lindsay. And our chief contents officer is Holly Kernan. I'm your host, Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening and wherever you are in California. Have a great weekend. Measure W, also known as the Nevada City Historic Neighborhoods District Initiative, is a voter initiative on the November 8th ballots of certain Nevada City residents. The initiative would adopt an ordinance that amends the city's general plan and municipal code to designate a portion of the city as a Historical Neighborhood District, or HND. This means that more land, specifically residential neighborhoods, would be within HND territory and require an architectural review permit to be altered or removed. The residential neighborhoods that Measure W would identify as within HND territory would be exempt from California's SB 9, and would potentially restrict or narrowly prohibit housing developers from building new homes in any areas contained by the HND. The boundaries of the HND can generally be described as residential neighborhoods surrounding downtown Nevada City. KVMR News producer Julia Jem spoke to two Nevada County residents with drastically different views of the initiative. We see it everywhere. Stickers, yard sign statements, yes on W or no on W sometimes one on each side of the street, and sometimes right beside one another on a street corner. We may even hear curious discussions spurring and passing conversation. Local politics are an important building block in a thriving community. That being said, we wanted to go further than hearing the voices of Nevada City through stickers and yard signs, which is why we chose to speak to Dwayne Strasser, 12-year city council member, three-term past mayor of Nevada City, and Carla Ahrens, former Nevada City Planning Commission chair and retired realtor, about their takes on Measure W. In an effort to fully understand each of their perspectives, I asked them both the same set of four impartial questions. Neither speaker heard the other's responses. Presenting this to you, I'll begin by asking each question and then providing each of their responses, beginning with question number one. 
First, let's hear from Dwayne Strasser. So, question number one. Are you for or against Measure W? Yeah, I am definitely against Measure W. Question number two. Do you feel that Measure W would be effective in preserving Nevada City's historic small-town character? Why or why not? Yeah, Measure W would do nothing uh, to preserve Nevada City's historic small-town character, which we already have and we already protect. Um, We already have more than required legally solid controls in place to protect our city's historic small-town character and the unique neighborhood appearance and charm that we uh, brag about so much. Um, Our city manager, staff, and city planner all have worked diligently with the city attorney, with also with outside legal advice being given over the past several years to rework and strengthen our already existing zoning codes and ordinance structures to ensure that we have local control over our city's future when it comes to land and property use decisions uh, down the long term. Measure W is just a misleading solution to a problem that doesn't already exist in our city. In fact, it will do just the opposite of what it promised. Not only will it open up our city to serious legal threats from the California State Attorney General's office, potentially costing us thousands, tens of thousands of dollars that actually are going to be taken away from our infrastructure, police and fire safety, um, all of our departments. Um, But basically, the lawsuits, we can't afford to fight them and we absolutely will not win them. And it actually opens us up to the creation of more architectural regulations and restrictions by future council majority votes without input from the citizens and property owners of non-historic properties. That's really what Measure W is all about and the end game of the people that actually constructed this measure. Question number three. Under the context of Measure W and the responsibility that comes with historic preservation, do you believe that local governmental control or individual homeowner control should be prioritized? Well, it's really neither of those two in the sense it's both. So it's not an either-or proposition. Local government is elected by us citizens to represent their and the community's best interests as a whole. And our elected officials are responsible for then hiring qualified staffing leadership in each different department that also represents the community's best interests. So really, it's a trickle-down effect. We have to work together. So basically, local citizens and homeowners need to communicate and give direction to the local city and county officials that they've already given their trust to by electing them in the first place. The city government and individual citizens, home, property, and business owners have to work together in an equitable process to achieve mutually agreed upon goals and results that lead to our city into the future in a manner that the majority of us in our community desire not just the selfish demands of a small group of people, many who don't even live in the affected neighborhoods and don't live in Nevada City at all. It's not their choice to decide which way our city goes in the future. It's up to both our elected officials and our citizens. And finally, question number four. Who, if anyone, would benefit most from Measure W? You know what? None of our citizens or our community as a whole are going to benefit from W. Nobody does except for the small group that actually composed it in the first place. The only answer to this question is that a very small group of people, bent on controlling and micromanaging every aspect of Nevada City's land and property use decisions, will benefit by adding never-ending historic restrictions through controlling the majority of the city council members' votes in the future. You've got to remember that the actual author of Measure W ran the election campaigns of three of our current city council members, theoretically giving her and a small group of her proponents direct input to a 3-2 majority of the current council on future votes regarding newly imposed land use and architectural regulations and restrictions without any input from the rest of the public as a whole. The only way to undo these potential future restrictions, which will suffocate our city and drastically reduce our chances for future workforce and affordable housing, 
is to go all the way back to another similar ballot measure, which has already cost our taxpayers $30,000 in county, and once again divided our community unnecessarily, you'd have to go back to another ballot measure. We can't just uh, show up at a city council meeting and work together as a community win-win to come up with the best solutions. Now, here's Carla Ahrens. Question number one, are you for or against Measure W? Well, um, obviously, since I'm on this side of the microphone here, I'm for Measure W, and it's a very simple measure and because it takes us back to what was in place in our town as of December 31st, uh, 2021. And it is the antidote for Senate Bill 9. And uh, I think in order to understand that response, people have to know what Senate Bill 9 does. And uh, it was passed, signed by the governor on January 1, uh, 2022. And it eliminated all single family residential zoning in, in much of California. And single-family residential zoning is what has been enjoyed by residents for the last 70 years. So Senate Bill 9 allows a, a developer, investor, homeowner to take what was a single-family lot and split it into two parcels. On parcel number one, they can have two houses plus two additional accessory units. And on parcel number two, they could have also two units. So instead of one or two uh, houses and or accessory units on a property in a neighborhood, there can now, now be as many as six or eight. And what this does is heavily impact the density in a neighborhood. It was originally designed for urban use to uh, implement affordable housing but when it was signed by the governor, the affordable housing element was eliminated. And so none of the new construction has to be affordable. And in our beautiful little community, which is such a desirable place for people to, to move to, it will, will not be affordable. And already there's a, a development up on uh, American Hill of a Senate Bill 9 lot. So yes, I do support Measure W. Question number two. Do you feel that Measure W would be effective in preserving Nevada City's historic small-town character? Why or why not? Measure W will take us back to whatever we had, all that we had as of last year. And that was very successful in preserving our neighborhoods and our downtown area. So the answer is that's what Measure W will do. You know, another better question is what will SB9 do? And SB9 will kind of adulterate our beautiful neighborhoods and allow uh, um, density that is not uh, um, accounted for in regards to uh, fire, safety, evacuation, water, resources. So uh, yes, Measure W will take us back and protect our town. Question number three. Under the context of Measure W and the responsibility that comes with historic preservation, do you believe that local governmental control or individual homeowner control should be prioritized? Right now, SB 9 basically overrides local government. The state has come in and imposed its uh, parameters on local government. Now, it is the job and the duty and responsibility of local government and our little town, our city council, to uh, work with what we call the common good. And how that is implemented is by 
elected officials that our community puts into office. These elected officials create ordinances, and um, the the residents can approve or disprove of these in what's called public hearings. Now, if there's a project uh, up until um, the beginning of this year, a large project in a neighborhood, the citizens, the residents and neighbors could all weigh in on that project. If it's an SB project, if a developer, such as the person who's developing them up on American Hill, uh, has a project in mind, the uh, residents and the neighbors have absolutely no input, even if it adversely affects their property. So uh, I, I believe it's the task of the local government to uh, authorize and implement the ordinances at the will of the people and to make it a public forum. And finally, question number four. Who, if anyone, would benefit most from Measure W? I think that's the wrong question. I think the question is, who's going to benefit from Senate Bill 9? And we've already seen all over the state, and including here, that developers, investors, and realtors basically have their eye on development because there's a lot of profit to be made. And um, I think that you'll find that when you look at uh, who's endorsing no on W, you'll see the chair of the Contractors Association solicited donations and the powerful California Association of Realtors through their PAC based in LA supports a no on W. Now, why are, why are they interested in our little county? And I think the answer is you just follow the money. There's money to be had in development here. I'd like to deliver a sincere thank you to both Dwayne and Carla for their insightful responses. It will certainly be interesting to discover the results of this measure's vote on the ballot. The opinions you've heard in this segment are those of the speakers only, and not those of KVMR, its board, staff, volunteers, or underwriters. For KVMR News, I'm Julia Jem. KVMR's Felton Pruitt sits down with acoustic quartet Boku Chapeau, who performed Saturday just next door at the Nevada Theater. We've got Boku Chapeau talking with us, Maggie McKaig and Luke Wilson. Thanks for joining us. Well, thank you. Thank you. And you got a great show coming up tomorrow night at the Nevada Theater. It's Paul Emery's uh, live music series that he's been doing and uh, at, at this wonderful place to hear music. The Nevada Theater. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like the longest operating, continuously operating theater in California something like that but it's an amazing place it's and i imagine you guys have played there as boko chapeau many times we have and and under other guises as well i mean we've been here for many years in nevada county just about 35 i think so yeah we we have and it's a beautiful place whether um just the acoustics in the theater are very lovely and it's just had all of this this beautiful renovation with these wild paintings inside. It's quite quite something to see. Well, and it's also going to be quite something to hear tomorrow night when you guys play there. Now, I think this is the perfect theater for you. When I think of going to see Boku Chapeau, it's always like being at a French theater back in the 1940s <laughs> for me anyway. You know, so I want really good acoustics and just atmosphere. I want to be able to feel it. And I think that's what you can when you guys play there tomorrow night. Well, we've had wonderful experiences there before, and that's what we're planning on as well. It's going to be different for us, though, as as uh, as we call our Euro Cafe repertoire, which we, you know, slowly built over the years. In Ten years or so, eleven, we played at the Nevada City Classic Cafe. 
But uh, before all that, I was primarily a guitarist and Luke, a lot of five-string banjo and dobro, sort of folk Americana. I've continued to play that and write songs in it. So we're mixing it up tomorrow night. It's going to be quite diverse. We'll definitely be doing some wonderful French tunes, a Croatian song, and then some of Randy's more innovative jazz compositions, some of which I've put lyrics to. And then we'll be doing the guitar-based songs as well, which range far and wide. We're talking with Bocou Chapeau, who is playing at the Nevada Theater tomorrow evening, 8 o'clock, for the Paul Emery Live Music Series. Uh, talk about the band that's in Bocou Chapeau. Well, I mean, there's, we're normally just a quartet with Randy McKean on clarinet, bass clarinet, uh, Murray Campbell on oboe, Corangle and violin, and Luke Wilson on uh, that's going to be five string banjo, dobro, plectrum banjo, tenor guitar. Oh, tenor guitar. Uh, me on accordion, and then we have special guests, which we're very excited about. But you're also going to play guitar. Oh, well, I am, yes. yes. And, pretty important. And uh, um, Justin Pertil is playing bass for us, and Justin is uh, also a very, very fine guitarist, and he's he travels quite a bit as a musician. He's performed and recorded and toured with all kinds of really amazing folks. I'm currently with a uh, Puerto Rican uh, rap star known as Residente, who is amazing, um, amazing guy. I think he's won more Latin Grammys than any other Latin artist. And, and he's playing bass for us, electric bass. And then Tim Bulkley, who is a wonderful percussionist, lived in New York for some years in the Bay Area. And he is currently playing with just about Everybody, every fine musician in Nevada County and still in the Bay Area, he's just uh, both very talented guys. So they're adding for at least part of the evening, not the full evening, but they'll be on stage adding their wonderful, wonderful talents and energies. It sounds like you're going to have so many instruments on the stage, you'll barely be able to see the musicians. There'll barely be room for us, you know, but we'll <laughs> just, you know, we'll, it's going gonna, it's gonna to look really great, that's for sure. <laughs> so all these things up there. Something to say, Luke? Oh, I'm just pretty excited to be, uh, after nearly 10 years of avoiding the five-string banjo and dobro, playing the five-string banjo and the dobro again, because they're the instruments I have played the longest. And to, to be able to play with Maggie on guitar again, well, she'll be playing accordion too, but you wait till you hear her play guitar. And uh, to work with all the other guys on our original music is always like super exciting and really looking forward to it. Give folks a, a website or some phone numbers they could call for more information about Boku Chapeau. Well, you can go to, um, uh, just type in Paul Emery, P-A-U-L-E-M-E-R-Y. He has all the information, ticket information. It's on the Nevada Theater site. You can also uh, look at my website, www.maggiemckeg.com. And uh, you can also look at Bandcamp, Maggie McKeg. You can see why we are called Book Chapeau, because we wear many hats in the form of various genres that we, we play. And uh, all of us, it's, it's quite, a, quite a diverse situation. Everybody should bring their hats Saturday night. Wear your hats. <laughs> okay. Wear your hats. And, and you know, bring, bring a couple. Bring a couple so you can... Toss them in there. Toss them in there or, or you know, show them off during intermission. 
we start at eight. The show starts at eight, and uh, and we'll have you know first set that will go about fifty minutes. We'll have a nice intermission, and then come back for a not quite as long a set. Some people think that eight p.m. is really late to go out these days. I'm not saying who those people are or what age they might be, but when I'm saying to people, some people have said, "Oh, I I don't do eight p.m. shows," and I say, "You know something? On Saturday night, eight p.m." just 24 hours later is going to be 7 p.m. Because, because it's daylight savings time. Yeah, so yeah. it's so you know you just it's a matter of perspective. It's an 8 p.m. show but only in some places in the world. <laughs> All right, we've been talking with Maggie McCaig and Luke Wilson from Boku Chapeau. They're playing Saturday night at the Nevada Theater. Thanks for chatting with us. Thank, Thank you. you so much and we love KVMR and we really appreciate everything they do and Thank you so much, Felton. That's our newscast for this Friday, November 4th. KVMR gets support from generous listeners like you and Plaza Tire and Auto Service, locally owned complete auto repair for all makes and models since 1950. Reminding listeners, well-running vehicles are essential for safety and performance. In Penn Valley, Grass Valley, Colfax, and Nevada City, Plaza Tire and Auto Service and Sierra Derm Center for Dermatology, specializing in general and cosmetic dermatology, skin cancer detection, and skin cancer removal for over 18 years. Located across from Sierra Nevada Memorial Hospital, Grass Valley. New patient openings available. Information at sierraderm.com. The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza. As always, thanks for tuning in. I'm Kelly Reese, signing off. Have a great weekend.